Mas... Mas... Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Jake Paluski. I think that's how you say his name. I'm sorry, Jake, if I'm saying your name wrong again, even though he clearly told me how to say it. Jake is a, 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 a sort of a renaissance man. He does everything. He's a hustler. He is a, a troubadour. He will show up in your town and rock your socks off. <laughs> he is he is extremely talented. He's a he, he he plays music. He's a photographer. He's a video editor, photo editor, videographer, sound man. He will he will play your wedding. He will he will he will film your wedding. He will photograph your wedding while simultaneously editing all that down into a beautiful memories video that you can show your grandkids. Um, I, I think he does way more than that as well, but uh, he he just does it all. Jake has a new album out. It's called Jake and the Venom. That's his name that he's that he's going by for this album and uh it's called between then and when you can pick up a copy anywhere jake plays or off his website which i will put in the show notes but uh if you want to go on his website it's jakepaluski.com and that's jake and then p-i-l-e-w-s-k-i.com and he has a couple shows coming up here soon so you can go and get them from him if you're here in Toledo um, whenever he plays. Now, it looks like he's playing February 8th at Tequila in Sylvania, uh, February 10th, Swig in Perrysburg, February 14th, Valentine's Day. I think that's a perfect time to go out and and get uh, regaled by the talented Jake Paluski. Let's see, February 14th, Corks in Rossford, February 22nd, Village Idiot. Uh, February 23rd, Dueling Pianos at Fleetwoods. Um, he, he has uh, way more on his list here, but um, I'm just not going to go through all of them. Um, but I love it. He is a working musician and artist, and that to me is awesome. Uh-oh. What? Um... Thank you, Bishop. Anyways, we'll get to Jake here in a few moments. First, I wanted to address this issue I had with SoundCloud. SoundCloud has removed my last podcast, which was the New York City uh, Golden Age of Hip Hop cast. And it was just a mix of... Uh, of different songs that I really like that from the the golden era, which people call the golden era. It was kind of a, inspired by the Stretch and Bobito po- uh, podcast. <laughs> the Stretch and Bobito documentary that you can see on Netflix and I think on Showtime. And also uh, a f- good friend of mine, Christopher Cantillary, which you can find Chris on, I think it's like 64 
it's in the 60s somewhere. Um, he worked directly on that as a videographer and go ahead and listen to his podcast and hear all about it. And we even hear a freestyle from Biggie uh, um, that he had on his iPhone that um, you can hear on the on the documentary too. Anyways, so I get pulled from Universal Music Group because of Kanye West's Jesus Walks With Me. And I was even debating whether or not to put that song on the playlist because Kanye West, first of all, is from Chicago. And when that song came out, Jesus Walks With Me, it it was like in 2004 and it was kind of like the end of that era. But Kanye West definitely had a, a, a like made a major mark in the hip hop scene in New York City, especially with Jay Z when he was doing a lot of producing. So I just threw it on there. The song's hard as fuck, whatever. And then it turns out that uh, that's the song that gets me pulled. So I, I just need to start listening to my gut and be like, you know what? Whatever. And besides, I, I wasn't able to put Jay Z on the list either. And I feel like if I were to put Jay Z on there, I would get pulled for that shit too. But it was a great mix. I was digging it. I was listening to the transitions and shit. And I was like, damn, that's a good transition. That's a good song to go into. And pat myself on the back here. So whatever. It's it's all good. We uh we win some, we lose some. I, I just don't know the laws about this shit, you know? Like what you hear other podcasts you hear other podcasts playing these songs and and they don't get pulled. I mean, like, what's the laws here? It's like the Wild West still, I thought. I don't know. Anyways, write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. You can also go to the Barren Wasteland. That is the website, wespeakenglishgood.net. It's just the SoundCloud link and a few pictures and, uh, and like a picture of pizza or something. Uh, and then please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It all helps. Oh, and by the way, Jake Paluski, our guest today, has his own podcast called The Snake Pit. And that's all found on his website, jakepaluski.com. So enough of me and my SoundCloud problems. Let's get over to Jake Paluski. And uh, do some 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 rapping, some talking, and some discussing, and some uh, stuff like that. Uh-huh. I had I'm recording now, so just okay. so you know, uh, I had a couple rappers on um, <laughs> last week. And I, I had them, because I'll have them do, like, um, I always put rappers on the spot because, you know, you have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, well, a big part of it is improv, so. Right, exactly, like, doing cypher stuff. So, yeah. like, I would do, like, you know, and just do, like, some crappy beat on the table. Right. And, and I mean, like, it, it, we had a couple false starts, but then... Um, but then they got into it, and then one of the guys is just, like, really into it. So he's just, like, blah, 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 yelling into it. So it was just peeking out. So <laughs> so yours was, like, all the way down. And I remember he was, like, not yelling, but, like, just really into his right, thing. Right. And, well. So, Performing. <laughs> hey, man, that's how. Hey, 
that's that's the name of the game, right? 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I got them off kilter also because they just got done smoking like this fucking blunt, like this, right. this rapper blunts, you know? <laughs> so They're they were just it. like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> um, how do you say your last name? I've, Paluski. Paluski. Yeah. Okay. It's the easiest Polish name ever. <laughs> it's just that most Polish names have silent letters and all sorts of stuff. So right. most people see it and they go, all right. Yeah. There's a ski, so how Pelusi? do you say this? Yeah, yeah, I'm Polish. <laughs> yeah. Just, no, but actually, one of the rappers' names was uh, uh, what? What was the name of the the producer who made some of the beats? Was Bitowski? Oh wow! <laughs> and I was like, is he a Polish producer? He's like, <laughs> no. This worked out. <laughs> it just that's just how it was. Um, yeah. So. I'm here with Jake Paluski, right? You got it. And Jake, how long have you been in the Toledo scene? Are you from here? Like yeah, uh, born and raised uh, in Toledo and then moved to Perrysburg probably, I think I was seven years old. So oh. it's always been the greater Toledo area. I, I'm the youngest of three siblings and we're all involved in sports. Um, it wasn't until probably, I would say late junior high, early high school that I even got into uh, music from a performance aspect. Oh, uh, okay. It was a combination of injuries and then just being burnt out from baseball and football was 24 7 in our household so oh, okay yeah so was there actual lineage of music that in your family not really uh which is strange because of the obsession that and has overtaken my life i mean my <laughs> grandfather uh played a little bit here and there around the holidays um and i think some great grandparents sang you know i mean but back then everybody sang around the holidays with each yeah, other yeah, so yeah. we were always just a family that liked music yeah uh not necessarily a bunch of performers um but yeah uh Slita born and raised essentially and i've been living in rossford with my now wife we just got married in september um but we've been together for eight years and we've been living in rossford now for seven so congratulations thanks you taking that next step, man. <laughs> yep. It's scary. It took me long enough, but it's musicians scary. tend to procrastinate oh sometimes. My <laughs> well, it, I mean, like, I look, I'm married too, nice. uh, and I have a boy, and for for me, marriage was awesome. Yeah. And like, cause, and I got married young, and we kind of like went pretty fast. And she's a musician as well. Okay. But marriage was great, and then like. Uh, do you guys want kids? We have no, um, we have no. I shouldn't say this in a bad way. We love kids. We right. have, we no, have no, 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 we have no um, desire to have children ourselves yeah. uh, because of the life that we lead. Um, I live a very, very busy life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and she. She's lives a busy life, but she also likes her downtime. The and um, but we have wonderful nieces and nephews that yeah. uh, we want to be that cool aunt and uncle. So that, that, <laughs> that, you know what? That was our plan too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, and shit happens. Right. I mean, I shouldn't just equate my wife getting pregnant as shit. But right, I, it I was know what you mean. <laughs> it was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely a pleasant surprise, as they say. Um, but it was just, uh, it was really, it was really tough. I mean, it still is because we're both selfish musicians who want our time, who yeah. want our thing. So, so it, it's just, it's a, it's a weird dynamic when you have a, a, a kid running around and oh, yeah. you have a photo shoot and she has to go do her thing and then, oh shit, we need to get a sitter. But your family's here, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so, you, pr so you would have plenty of. Yeah, my, my parents uh, stuck around uh, most of my, um, I would say the majority of 
our family has left to go elsewhere but yeah. um a lot of at least my wife's family um and my brother-in-law's family they're all right around here so we uh, we would definitely have a n- nice tight niche network that can help each other out yeah so. yeah yeah that was a great thing in san diego we didn't really have that we her yeah. family has, it consists of five people and like f- like four of those people are just crazy so <laughs> like, there was like one or two people who could actually help us so uh i think i brought that up just as a i don't know not a warning but just like shit changes once a baby oh, yeah. comes it into does. it no. and it's, it's Truthfully. crazy and um but it's cool he just turned four yesterday oh nice it's, it's well, happy birthday so, <laughs> yeah happy birthday bishop she cut off all his hair he was my little cali boy with the long <laughs> hair and now he is just bishop which is fine i'm i'm still desperately clinging on to san diego right where it, I spent the last 11 years, so. That weather alone sounds amazing, oh especially right now. <laughs> oh, my God. No, the coldest days, like, when it was, like, negative six, just standing negative six, I was just, like, and I was seeing my friends, like, at the beach today, what's up? Yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's heartbreaking. But it's crazy <laughs> out there. It, it's, uh, it's expensive, and, you know, it's, my wife wasn't happy there. But, so, you started doing actual performance in high school? Yeah, it was um, about the time that I realized I had to hang it up uh, with sports because I realized I'd with an injury and uh, the injury kind of was icing on the cake because I was kind of starting to get burnt out. I was like, oh, I got to take a year off because uh, I had been playing um, baseball. Like if when I wasn't playing baseball in the baseball season, we were doing fall baseball right. to, uh, to stay active. And then we started conditioning a month later. So, I mean, we were doing essentially the collegiate life of baseball from the time I was nine or 10 years old. Oh, okay. And so we were just were that into it that serious. So just, in, just you, in the, you were into it personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all of us, our whole family and uh, we took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just grew up in a very competitive athletic family uh, and not just our immediate family, but you know, aunts, uncles. Um, and there was a lot of big shoes to fill so that was always uh competitive nature um, do you, do you, so you have family who went on to college and yeah like uh my, my brother actually was just in town um about um you know about a week ago because we um he got inducted into the perry's high school hall of fame oh, uh, cool. for baseball because he went on to he batted like eighth in the nation one year uh, in the ncaa uh, oh, okay. in, in college and so Injuries, of course, kept him from going majors. Um, <laughs> but that's and and now that's I look back, uh, not to get off topic, but I look no, back no. now and it's wonderful to get into music because it's a little less injury prone. Right, um, right. You, you know, just so. like as long as you're playing properly, <laughs> right. by the time you're 90 years old, you're just yeah. still yeah. able to go up there. That was what was so awesome about uh, Les Paul. You know, Les Paul. Yeah. Is? I, I think he's dead, but yeah, I think, I think so. he did die. But I mean, he was like almost ninety or whatever, still performing like every night in New yeah. York City, just yeah. still rocking his Les Paul. Which in musician years, uh, that's like one hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's hard living, baby. Yeah, it, it, it's funny the. Um, it's funny how people look at a musician's life as, um, I don't know. From my perspective, sometimes people look at musicians' life as as being lazy and maybe. Uh, um, you're not really working, which in a sense, I mean, it's you love what you do, so you know it's not work. It's right. not like punching in at an office that you hate, but but like when you travel and when you 
you're going to a different place every night and you got appointments here you got appointments there like it, it is exhausting and you are working like all the time you yeah. know and i mean yeah there's downtime but like, well let's be honest there are there are lazy musicians that use the musician ex- thing ex- as an excuse exactly. to be lazy no but no that's no in, every, in every single aspect of life no matter what the yeah, job is right, yeah. um but i mean it's I think that's why I love doing podcasts on my own, uh, just because you can sit down and get somebody else's story. Exactly. Because it's really easy to generalize. Uh, exactly. But, you know, people see musicians like, oh, you're having fun, you're getting paid to do what you want to do. And then they see, like, these famous people just spending money like it's going out of style. <laughs> and I'm like, well, the famous musicians is like this less, probably less than 1% of exactly. all musicians to ever exist. Right. Most of them are toughing it out and uh, working multiple jobs just to try to be able to do what they want to do. Right, exactly. <laughs> and if you're lucky enough, you can hopefully break even. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and, like, and that's the thing with being a musician. Like, like you are saying, like you do photography and yeah. you do music and, and you find different hustles. Yeah. And it's not just I'm going to write music and play my songs in front of my adoring crowd. It's like, right. <laughs> it's like you're building a crowd and you're also maybe for, – for me personally, I was a hired gun, so I'd just be called any night of the week to go play keys or guitar, bass, whatever. Yeah. So, like, that was my thing. I was just able to play, like, barely – good enough to play in several different circles and so but to be on call so that's important. right yeah. so it was it was like i was able to you know make a decent living not the greatest but also my wife and i owned a business we were you know teaching after school programs and there contracting with the, the city with the libraries and we were able to make a life for ourselves but it wasn't just glory and I've been really mulling that over lately. I've been thinking about, I wrote a blog, which I don't know if I'm ever going to release because <laughs> it, it sounds like a high schooler's book report. But um, just how like society sort of um, pressures artists, young artists, into, is, is a deterrent. And uh, starting from, from a small age in your home, I don't know if you had this, but uh, my parents were supportive of my artistic endeavors, but my mom has always said, it's like, go to college just in case, just a fallback, you know, a fallback career. So just in case, you know, you go out and fail, (laughs) you have something to fall back on. And and then at school, schools, uh, I mean, especially now with the our scrum- crumbling school systems, they're cutting art as one of the first things that go right. uh, after all the you know the financial crisis two thousand eight. All the art programs are kind of just getting pushed to the side and made as um, you know, and uh, that's how we had a job out in San Diego. That's how we had a business. Is right. that we were the art program out there. <laughs> so you have all these crushing. <laughs> <laughs> these people crushing your dreams uh, i mean in the home and in the schools like you don't have even opportunity to actually go out and flourish plus people think being a musician is all about success in music is being a uh, on magazine covers right. or being rich Winning grammys and yeah, that, yeah exactly yeah. so i think that society has this skewed look at art and i think it deters young artists and like yeah there's probably young rembrandts out there who are just being crushed their souls are being crushed because they're being told this whole thing i don't know um were, did you have a supportive family when you decided to yeah. go to music yeah i mean they uh they've always been really supportive of uh 
I had two uh, blue collar parents who mm. worked and worked and worked and worked to try to give us uh, the cliche of trying to give uh, their kids better life than what they had. Yeah. And they had a good life, but it, they grew up in a very blue collar. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they're all from the Midwest. And so that's very much the Rust Belt. I mean, yeah. that is <laughs> yeah, for sure. blue collar yeah. to, to the extreme. And um, But they've they worked hard to the point that they wanted the best for us. So obviously yeah. there was times where like, and I don't think it was a deterrent of when it came into art, it was more so how are you going to, you know, be able to make a sustainable life? Yeah. Um, so they were all about, they, they knew I was passionate about music when I got into it because of how passionate I was about sports when I was into it. Mm -hmm. They knew that they, they allowed me to do anything that I really, really was truly going to get into and sink my teeth into. And, um, and also be able to explore other options, you know, because otherwise you can't be passionate about everything. That's how you got to, especially as a kid, you got to figure things out. You, yeah, may, you might, totally, man. <laughs> you might yeah. decide one day you're going to be a chef and the next day, <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to be a creative writer for pro wrestling when I was, you know, <laughs> nine years old because, awesome, yeah, bro. I mean, but I love that stuff and I still love it just because I can't let go. Wait, you know, wait, so <laughs> like, were you watching like WCW? Oh and yeah, w all of it. Yeah. Like when, when Hulk Hogan went bad. Oh yeah. And, then uh, 96 and and was i was that nw was it nwo, NWO yep. yeah yeah that was so awesome well it was and it became huge uh commercially for for wrestling and, and so and it was the entertainment aspect i always loved that like mm. i even before i knew i was going to play music i loved uh groups that were not only really talented mm. but i always was i think queen was one of the first bands that i really really enjoyed yeah. because it was the theatrics oh and God, yeah. obviously the talent yeah. uh, combined and there's bands, and not to dog on it, one of my bass players who absolutely loves Kiss. I, lo <laughs> I, I loved certain Kiss songs as a kid, uh, not as an adult, uh, but I, I can appreciate the nostalgia. But for me, a lot of you know their best songs was when they weren't all costumed up. And, some, mm. and I think it's essentially now, uh, like with music now, they sell the spectacle more than the music itself so much. Yeah. And I kind of feel like Kiss was that to an extent. Yeah, but now totally. I look back compared to some of the stuff I hear now, and I'm like, Kiss was genius, right? <laughs> you know, right, right. So yeah. it's it's you know, but I yeah, I had a I had a supportive family. They always wanted me to get me into just about anything I wanted to sink my teeth into. So once I did get into music, at first they were kind of like, well, this is odd because yeah. nobody's really gone this far into music uh -huh. uh, aside from just having choir class. Um, but then within a year or two of getting into music in high school all of a sudden they're like he's picking up that piano without having lessons and yeah. he's and he's playing the stuff that he shouldn't know how to play <laughs> and uh and now he's got this natural ability to sing harmonies with these guys uh and he's only been in choir for a year <laughs> and they're like maybe there's just some natural talent combine that with you know the athletic uh competitiveness we grew up with all of a sudden within two years i was able to quit my first job at Wendy's and be able to start singing for a living at 16 years old. So oh, it was dope. So they're like, okay, yeah. maybe there is some sustainability to this right, uh, lifestyle. Right. So <laughs> I think I was just lucky in, in, in like the stars aligned because I, uh, being somebody who's always, you know, inspired by s people that are better than you at what you want to do. Mm. So I, you know, made sure I went after like the best singer in school and yeah. said, Hey, let's sing together. Yeah. And, you know, lucky enough he was, okay cool <laughs> you know yeah, a lot yeah. of people would be like why would i do that right <laughs> you know? i'm not stepping down bro right yeah. um but, <laughs> but i think that's i think i think you brought up a great point for anybody uh for anybody aspiring to be a musician is that definitely go out seek out better players yeah because just being around them just playing with them it elevates you it really does i was playing with um 
this like surf rocky jazz bandy type thing where nice. where the 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 rhythm section themselves wasn't like super versed on like all you know all the modes and where they go over what chords and you know all that but they were they just had a cool feel but they had a saxophone player who was awesome and just being able to be around him for the amount of time i did like i was just I was just better, like just hearing him play, and I'm not a jazz player at all. <laughs> it's like it's intimidating, but it is. Yeah. But but like it, it was insane, just like being like, oh shit, like wow, I'm picking this up. I'm able to. So uh, that's just great advice. Um, yeah. Just seek out better. Well, it's education, and it's yeah. You know, most of the time it's free education if you can go out and watch another musician, especially if there's no cover. Yeah, you know, right. and you go and you sit there and you watch and just take it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. The um, I remember cause I went to uh, Owens here, and I said I did the jazz band, and that was like boot camp. That and playing in a Baptist church boot camp yeah um but we had the opportunity to like go and play at murphy's and and i I just remember there was this trumpet player who was in that band who ended up doing really well just for himself don't remember his name whatever (laughs) that was a long time ago but but he would go to murphy's and like i mean that's a sad thing now that murphy's is gone right but that was a place where you could go and like play you know play with these geniuses who's been i mean i mean clyde black is he dead did he die do you know he did yes uh they i believe they did a memorial dinner like a couple years ago okay yeah yeah well i i mean i know he played like with the whole like detroit motown thing and a lot of history there so I forget where I was going with that. Whatever. Or just with Murphy's and be able yeah. to sit in with right, these guys right. and, which, you know, which and, is, and get that education. Which is and it was great because those guys were pros mm-hmm. beyond. And they were always cool with kind of passing the torch or at least giving some of the opportunity to yeah. pick up. And, and Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> Actually, I was just, this, this story came out um, uh, when I was playing with that band, the um, Owens Jazz Band. Yeah. Um, do you know who... Fathead Newman is. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, the name sounds familiar, yeah. He was the saxophone player and the flautist for um, Ray Charles for years oh, okay. and years and years, and he had his own like great career. He came and did a workshop with the band, and and so did Claude Black. Claude Black came in, and, um, and Fathead Newman came in, and so we played, I think we played Autumn Leaves or something, and everybody kind of took their solo in the rhythm section and he went around he went to the guitars he's like hey man that was great the bass player hey man keep going he went to the drummer he's like yeah keep it up and then he came to me and like skipped over (laughs) me and just kept (laughs) going and i was terrible and i deserve it but i just think that it's hilarious that Fathead Newman, this <laughs> legendary saxophone player, is just like, nah, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm moving out over here. So that was that was good. It's I mean, it was funny. I didn't take it bad because I knew it was terrible. But I mean, for for some people, that might have been like a crushing moment. Like, oh, should I reconsider what I'm doing in life? So from the age of 16, you've been just sort of supporting yourself with just music. I mean, yeah, not for, just yeah, music, but, but for like, a while. I mean, that was a big part. I mean, there was uh, a lot of my friends gave me crap because uh, I, I don't think I got my driver's license until 
three months before my 18th birthday in my <laughs> senior year of high school. I was just hitching rides with friends until then. And um, they're like, are you afraid of the road? And I'm like, no, I'm working all the time uh, playing music. Like, cause I, I was involved in um, activities and stuff in school. And of course the natural progression, I was never really into the theater uh, program, even though Perrysburg had this amazing theater program. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I finally got convinced to at least do the musical numbers, uh, junior year and senior year. Um, And so like their practice schedule, was just as demanding almost as some of the sports that I was in. I was like, what the hell? I'm like, you guys at first, you know, from a distance, again, people not knowing until they're really involved in something. I just like, you guys just singing and dancing and rehearsing lines. Like what the, why, why you got to put in six hours of practice after school for months. And, uh, and then I figured out, okay, this is why. Uh, so between that and then having, a uh, we were a quartet, uh, group, uh, we, started off as uh we came out of men's course i think my sophomore year and um we were doing like doo-wop and barbershop style mm-hmm. stuff and then we went to like states and did spirituals and all that oh, kind of stuff dang, so that was neat but what got us paid yeah is that, um <laughs> let's see so that would have been about 1999 2000 and it was right around the time that um a lot of the girls that we were uh trying to impress Mm -hmm. were really into the other harmonizing male groups out there at the time uh, who happened to dance and all that kind of stuff (laughs) the uh the late 90s boy bands and um, so i think we did a couple uh 16 year old birthday parties uh and they're like hey you know we're gonna give you 300 bucks to come sing you know to a cd for an hour and a half and like you can make money off of this 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 young uh without you know some record deal because i didn't know there was even a possibility of making music being uh, in town without getting signed to a label because right. again the public perception of you either yeah. make it to the grammys or you just oh you're a, a failure or you're yeah. so, yeah, you're a bum, so yeah. we're like wait a minute i'm like i was i was smelling like wendy's uh burgers and chicken like you yeah. know for three hours a day and coming home with you know probably i think 15 bucks after yeah probably less than that actually because i think minimum wage was five bucks so anyway i was <laughs> like well i could smell like a grease pit and have no girl want anything to do with me right. i'm like or i can go sing them some tunes for a little bit and uh and all these girls you know just go nuts over you and yeah. i said this sounds awesome like, i'll do this the uh, the catch was that of course i still to this day hear all these guys be like oh you were in a boy band and i'm like well Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm like, because we also uh, got to do, uh, we had a lot of experience in recording studio at the time. Oh, um, cool. We got to perform on big stages uh, uh, for like festivals and things. Yeah. And so it got me a lot of exposure to many parts of the industry. Yeah. From yeah. a really, really young age uh, without, without being, you know, bought or born into the business, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, when a kid is nine and, you know, he's on... Uh, Oh, star search i know they used to have yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of time it's because you know mom and dad each made you know two million a year and right. here my kid you know may right. not have talent but here's some money so yeah. we weren't like that so it was just kind of like this huh maybe we can do something with this it only lasted about a year and a half of doing this boy band thing because of course the rocker in me was like okay <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like this is cool the money's good but like i hear all these other bands in high school they have guitars and mm. drums and that's yeah. kind of more 
my cup of tea right um, right what what were you into then what was like let's see the so i mean i was i was definitely because i was the uh the baby of the family so i was always listening to better music i think than mm-hmm. what the uh, kids in my grade were um and so yeah, I, you uh, had the older brothers yeah, and older brother and older sister yeah, and, yeah. Uh, my sister's six years older than me and my brother's four years older so the stuff I loved, I mean, right after, you know, I loved Queen. Um, yeah. But I think I heard of Queen because of Wayne's World uh, <laughs> yeah. with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And that just got me into the la- their library. So perhaps some movies that bring back old songs uh, in radio that used to actually then play those songs. Yeah, uh, man, but, here, here. Um, I think, yeah, I was into Queen and probably Aerosmith because they came out with their Get a Grip album in 94. Oh, yeah, that was full of hits, it, it too. It was, was one of their most successful albums Is ever. Is that the one that had... A- going up an elevator no that was i think the one from 89 or oh, 90 okay, never mind it was the one with amazing and crying oh. and uh amazing. crazy yep oh, all okay. the one word crazy. the alicia silverstone yeah, album, yeah, yeah she yeah. was in all the videos yeah, with Liv tyler hot. oh yeah and his and his like half naked daughter like who's, sexing her out yeah. in the videos like, you get out there get out there and make me some money that was that was my picks as my brother and sister were kind of like what's he listening to and my parents were like this is great he's listening to Aerosmith yeah, and yeah, Queen yeah. but then my brother and sister got me into the, the early 90s grunge yeah uh, so I loved that stuff okay. and then all of the post grunge that followed like Garbage and Bush yeah. and Offspring and um and Nine Inch Nails truly I was oh my, uh, my brother got me into them I think my brother had one of those uh where you paid like I think it was like five bucks a month and they gave you like this mailed oh, you like Columbia CD. thing yeah, yeah. And they, he always had all these CDs I was like how is this even a thing <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like more importantly why don't they bring that back now when people are paying yeah. less and less for music now right, why right. don't they give those options <laughs> and uh, well it, it's funny it's <laughs> it's funny where we're at now because of streaming services and like almost like you know you gave me your CD at the beginning here I mean this is almost like your card you know yeah. like now it is I mean you sell these but then right. like you're like here here's my cd my contact information right yeah. there you go ahead and get me a call <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> um okay so you're just like kind of into this rock more of a rock thing and then yeah. you were like i need to figure this some shit out here yeah and, and, and you know it was the late 90s that i was getting into high school and the music and of course like i said the girls you know had it been nine years earlier the girls would have been uh looking for a kid in a grunge man but you know yeah, the boy yeah. band thing was with a the thing. flannel and, right. and the jeans and but i was you know i was uh 16 years old in 2000 and so all the girls wanted in sync and backstreet boys and that's how <laughs> think about it, that's how crazy the industry shifted in 10 years mm-hmm. uh and less than 10 years and um and so i was like all right let's make some money we learned a lot and then i learned what i didn't want to do yeah and uh <laughs> got into and, and the thing was like i wanted to play in a rock band all of high school but a lot of the kids that i was learning so much so quickly about music and a lot of the kids that were in bands uh were in punk bands which i mean there were some punk bands i liked but most of the kids that were playing punk bands were like just make a lot of noise yeah just yell on the microphone and i was like learning chords and like and you know again growing up listening to like queen and and you know frank sinatra and like, all this yeah. stuff and i'm hearing all these beautiful melodies and i'm like there's something missing here. <laughs> there has and to be more to this yeah than like just... i'm like the angst thing is there which i get i'm like because grunge had that in the 90s i was like but then you know grunge was also very articulate with a lot of the music that they're writing so right. i was just like ah, i'm gonna hold out for maybe a better band and sure enough i think it was my senior year when i was kind of like leaving the boy band thing mm-hmm. there just happened to be these wonderful musicians uh that were in need of a singer because the guy that was singing for him was like borderline tone deaf and 
Um, and so I was like, I know I could at least sing for these guys. And they, and they were playing stuff like Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. And um, I think even they were doing a system of a down tune. So I was like, this oh, is cool. great. Oh, yeah. And so I met up with those guys. Uh, we end up, it was called Hunter's Run. Hey. And yeah. uh, it was a street that was right behind me. Uh, where That's we the lived. name of the street, Hunter's it, Run? Yeah, it was the name of the street that bad. they all lived on and they met each other on. And it was right around the block for me all yeah. these years. And so uh, it was a quick walk back and forth, especially because I didn't have my license yet yeah. <laughs> to practice. Yeah, and, you, and were you playing guitar in the band or were you just singing? I was just singing because we You had just showed up. This, I was like, yeah. I'm here. Was, and they had the sound <laughs> system. So I was like, this is great. <laughs> Ironically enough, nowadays, uh, I... I'm the one that runs the PA system yeah, and uh, has all this gear that now I now set up for these guys that can just show up and <laughs> right, with right. their gear. So it's kind of come. <laughs> right, there you are. So, but yeah, and, and the funny thing is now uh, the guy that was playing bass in that, I've played music now with for 14 years with 15 years. Oh, and nice. uh, we've all remained friends. And, um, That's beautiful. Which is rare yeah, for totally. bands to yeah, <laughs> that yeah. long to... But uh, we've played in and out of different projects over the years. But, yeah, that was kind of like the start of it all. And, gotcha. Uh, and, yeah, years later, we're still kind of <laughs> doing a yeah. thing one way or another. Did, have you done any extensive touring at all with any of your bands? We uh, The Hunter's Run thing lasted for like two or three years because immediately uh, our guitar player at the time, he went to uh, right after we graduated in 03, he went off to the to boot camp to be a Marine. Oh, okay. Um, so obviously that puts a deterrent on yeah. what we're going to do. And so, of course, he was like this phenomenal guitar player. And so we're like, so what <laughs> did do we he do go, now? Did he go to the Marines to play music or as a, as no, a soldier? No, he, he wanted to full on go as a soldier and try to climb the ranks as much as possible, mm. which was admirable because I was like, dude, somebody as good as this guy could yeah. get a job playing anywhere, mm. anywhere in the country, as good as he was on guitar. And yeah. he said, well, I made up my mind a long time ago. I want to be a Marine. So yeah. it's like props. Um, yeah, and especially during that time, 2003 well, was kind of was, a crazy time. It was right after... Uh, we sent started dropping bombs and mm-hmm. yeah we started a war that's when yeah. my buddy went in too yeah. he was like it was like we started like that's right when we started the war again yeah <laughs> it was an interesting time and uh yeah no that i mean it was a that's an interesting time for someone to really want to get into it yeah but i commend them admirable I mean, thank you sir i don't yeah. know your name but hey <laughs> thank you sir well sure enough you know after i think four or six years he ended up re-enlisting but in um, national guard and he's been in it ever since oh so, wow uh same it's same thing with my buddy and yeah. he's actually over in afghanistan right now just he's a paper pusher but he's over there making money yeah he's doing his he has his master's in business which the army paid for and right now he's just over there i don't know i honestly don't know what he does i know he just sits yeah. behind a desk a lot of the times so. which is great because i mean yeah. uh to go in the military now if you're not actually uh in the field fighting uh it's actually a pretty pretty decent living especially yeah. where you know this day and age where the uh the employment uh is just kind of all over the place right yeah now. <laughs> it is it really is because i mean what, what like all these factory jobs that used to be here in the rust belt are not here anymore yeah. and it's like and more and more people are become um you kind of have to carve your own way through this shit you know like you, you you have hustles you know yeah. you just said another one you do sound you have right. equipment and you're like i'll come out and set up do and that. do the sound and you pay me and then you're done but then you'll go to a bar the next night and be <laughs> playing all night and right. then you got a photo shoot in the morning and so well and as you said earlier that uh you know people are always trying to push uh and still to this day to go to college as something to fall back on mm-hmm. well now the uh 
all the financial and education experts out there saying vocational schools are on their way back because yeah. you have all these people with all this computer knowledge right. and have no mechanical knowledge because yeah. they focus so much on everything on yeah. an app and all this stuff and it's like but now nobody knows how to plumb nobody knows how to you know weld yeah exactly and because those all those jobs you know those guys are in their 40s and 50s now Mm -hmm. and there's no 20 year old that's replacing that so now it's kind of like where i know plenty of people with these college degrees and there's no work for them because either they're overqualified and these entry-level jobs don't want them right or somebody else scooped up the job and there's not enough jobs because of the outsourcing so it's it's weird how the higher education these big debts yeah man a lot of it doesn't even mean anything now well and then you got kids who just don't know what they want to do i mean what right. at 18 what the hell i i didn't know what i wanted to do. i knew like my mom wanted me to go to college and it's like well i want to do music but she was really pushing for something so i was like okay i'll just go for a general education which is what is that usually called um uh liberal arts or business not, um or it what is it um i know different schools have different names too well whatever it is it was just like a general education and i was like i'll just start with doing that but like people come out with these like these degrees that mean nothing and like i honestly think if you're not going to be like a doctor or a (laughs) lawyer or or something that a teacher where you need or a teacher need that yeah like the fuck school and and how much i mean like honestly how much should you be learning in high school like some of the shit that you learn in high school is not necessary especially now like since you have google like i honestly don't think you need to know where fucking every country is in the world (laughs) honestly and i know i know that that's kind of controversial but like i don't think geography is more important than knowing how to file your taxes correctly or starting your own small business yeah. or you know just being able to like when you get out of high school you should be able to like go on and do some uh, the workforce yeah yeah and and or you know and make a life for yourself or or figure you know figure something out i, I feel like we're being just still trained from this this archaic education system which is like from the industrial revolution you know where they're just training little workers and those jobs are kind of dissipating and maybe in high school they should be focusing more on fucking making plumbers and i mean i had the chance i went to vocate that's the only reason why vocational i I mean like i said that's so important now more than ever yeah so like maybe that should be more of the focus maybe knowing how to take care of yourself in a real way should be more of the focus rather than shoving I, i mean basic math is important i get that but like Unless you're really interested in that, you know, I don't think that that's really... Well, maybe, yeah, maybe higher math can be an elective, just like uh, if welding is an elective Mm -hmm. or, you know, fine arts or music. I mean, you get to, uh, what, I think sophomore or junior year and they start saying you have so many electives you have to pick to fill your schedule. And it's like, so if you want to go into trigonometry, by all means, go into trigonometry. I mean, I never got into trigonometry, (laughs) but yet I'm... uh, I know math better than half the kids that went up to a higher math because right. I retained it more. And a lot of times it's the, it's the learner and the person behind it rather mm-hmm. than what's put in front of you. Because again, college, I retained the stuff I retained the most was the stuff I was interested in the most right. uh, or the stuff that I had a great teacher yeah. uh, who made me interested into it. Yeah, which, um, which, which is hard to find these days yeah. too. Well, especially because all the, you either have teachers that are on a tent and they have their tenure and mm-hmm. so they don't care anymore or you have <laughs> these wonderful hungry amazing young teachers yeah. who have to sometimes use their own money just to pay for school supplies which is crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah. so how far did, did you get a degree in school 
Uh, I went uh, two years to Owens um, because uh, almost every major I looked at, because uh, I was I was looking to go into VCT program at Bowling Green, which is visual communications technology. Okay. So it's web design, graphic design, videography. They which took is, all of these like multimedia arts and bundled it into oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who didn't necessarily know which one they wanted to go down, yeah. I was interested in all of them. So I was like, I had been doing a lot of that since junior high. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a buddy who was, you know, I thought he was a nerd at the time, uh, yet he taught me how to use Photoshop when I was 13. That's, that's dope. And Kids should know how to use Photoshop <laughs> when they're 13. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I had no idea I'd be doing that uh, later on in life, but he showed me those visual arts um, from a graphic standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and those tend to be, you know, the more... Uh, a better way to, I guess, get a paycheck mm-hmm. uh, than just painting a canvas. Um, yeah, totally. And uh, so he showed me that. So I was like, oh, grateful to this day. Uh, but I went two years to Owens uh, to do the um, the basic, even though we just went to college for four year, or to high school for four years and mm-hmm. had to learn basic English, basic math, yeah, basic yeah, yeah. science. First two years of college was like that all over again. And I was just <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the thing was, Perrysburg had such a high curriculum standard uh at high school that i was testing out of so many classes when i went to owens because like the first math i went in there i was like this is what i saw in seventh grade (laughs) and uh, which is also weird that you know the different balance uh and levels that of different schools throughout just the state of ohio Mm. perrysburg's very high up on the totem pole of what they teach what they require you to learn by a certain age and so i was testing out of courses uh my freshman year at owens so then after I did two years at Owens, I then transferred to BG to hopefully finish my bachelor's. And I get to BG, and I didn't really care for the experience. Yeah. Um, not that it was a bad school. Right. A lot of people have great experience there. But I had some decent teachers, and then I had some just like straight-up asshole teachers who just <laughs> didn't care. And yeah. then my biggest, uh, the hardest part was, you know, I had, I'm sitting, I go from at Owens to sitting in a classroom of 25 kids. It's all of a sudden being in a big lecture hall of 350 kids. I mean, that was my student body uh, for my graduating class. I'm sitting (laughs) among all of them trying to listen to this guy talk about management information systems, like computer technology, Uh who has such a thick accent. And and I I know accents really well, especially getting acting, so it's not Mm -hmm. like I couldn't understand him. It was he's talking about something that's foreign to me to begin with. Yes. With something very technological. Plus I'm trying to figure out what he's saying in the process. And it just became all these things where I'm just like, uh, and at the time I was in a band that, uh, right after Highland, uh, or right after Hunter's run, we became Highland. Some guys from that. And we were, it was like, uh, punk and metal and, uh, I don't know, classic rock influence kind of thing. Oh. We were looking to go on tour. Oh, okay. okay. So it was me balancing that, that along with going to this now less than interesting educational experience. <laughs> so And uh, you're young and yeah. you're like, meh, you want to yeah. soak your wild oats. And it was just, you know, you're thinking, I'm like, okay, maybe this, maybe this isn't for me. And at the time I started getting work, um, to do i was working in a photo lab uh that had a portrait studio and because i had known photoshop for so long i was able to do a lot of the digital imaging there yeah and so then i started getting freelance work for um photography and for web design and stuff and mind you this is way before i even got educated on it Mm -hmm. uh in college it's just that uh i had all this experience previously um so 
I started getting paid for it, and I'm like, mind you, I see all these bills come in for how much college was going to cost me. Yeah. And, and then I'm hearing from these graduates in the same program before, like, yeah, I'm still looking for a job because unless you move <laughs> to California or New York, you're always going to be a freelancer around right. here uh, or just making what you can make right now if you just left. And so I, I left BG, went back to Owens for a year because uh, I was like, you know what, I'll just get an associate's. Mm in marketing uh mm-hmm. so that i know how to sell what the hell i'm doing with music with, yeah with graphics and um at least get that education by the time i went back to owens i think i went back for a semester and we were booking a national tour oh uh, right, right. so then i was just like well i guess i'm done <laughs> <laughs> that was cool educated <laughs> and punched i had uh, four four years of education in college without mm-hmm. the degree and i never went back because by the time i was gonna go back i started getting so much work in the field that I was going to go into anyway yeah. that I was like, well, I have all this debt I'd like to pay off first yeah. and prices were going up in school, which Hell again, yeah. the college and they're still going is ridiculous. Up. And it uh, is especially for essentially, essentially it was an art degree with a little business attached to mm. it. I'm like, I might not ever make this back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might be paying. It's this not like a 90. doctor where, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna make it back yeah. in the next 10, 15 years, right. even though you have hundreds of thousands of dollars because that's, you know, a couple of years of the doctor and it's, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm like the kind of debt I was gonna have. I'm like, this is not even worth it anymore. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, 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 I was kind of the same way, but like, I, I more or less chose to go and drink and party. <laughs> oh, there was plenty of that. There's plenty <laughs> well, of that. Well, my, my, honestly, my music career didn't start until I was like 30 because my 20s were just this hazy blur of yeah. just bad decisions and burning bridges. And then, I, and then all of a sudden, I got sober. And then all of a sudden, I was a musician again. <laughs> it's funny how that worked. <laughs> so what? So when you guys were, well, your band Highland, were you uh, singing? Were you like doing the growls and the and all that, or were you more or less singing straightforward? I'm just it was, curious. It was, yeah, it was it was a fun mix of everything because I at the time, okay, so Highland was like 2005, 2006. So at the time, like the big thing on the scene was either like hardcore or screamo or yeah. like the remnants of emo yeah, um yeah. which you know in the midwest by then it was kind of fizzling out everywhere else but in the midwest it was still this hot yeah. you know thriving thing um because midwest always kind of is like two to five years behind everything yeah and uh <laughs> and we didn't want to we were always trying to like okay you can't like make a change in music by not like we wanted to change the entire landscape but you can't stand out uh when you're just doing what everybody else is doing yeah. um so we were like you know different tastes in the band you know our drummer love like the fast-paced punk you know mm. we had a guitar player who loved like thrashing like metal but then we had another guitar player who loved like the finger tapping metal of like the 70s and 80s yeah, yeah. and then a uh, bass player who just was like man i, I just want to i mean we can play reggae i don't care let's just play <laughs> and, and then i was always like you know how do we make it more of a performance how do we make it uh how do i bring you know i can sing i don't want to just scream yeah. um how do we and it was like this weird 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 mix of probably like punk and queen and uh I don't know. I was listening to a lot of like Scandinavian rock bands at the time, oh, like, okay. like him and yeah, um, yeah. like more with like a Gothic kind of overtone mm-hmm. and to it. So that's stuff fascinating me because they were making it more orchestral uh, yeah, with symphonies yeah. and stuff. And I liked that kind of thing. So we had this really different sound. Um, and it was funny because uh, promoters always had a hard time pairing us with bands. Cause <laughs> yeah. it was either, well, do you go with the hardcore bands? Do you go with the punk bands? 
to go with these pop bands or these indie bands and and sometimes you know we found that nice piece that regardless we always got people's attention whether yeah. it was good or bad um, <laughs> yeah. we always kind of got their attention so uh so that was like a fun sound we recorded a couple of eps mm-hmm. um neither of which were that great that was right at the beginning of uh at least around here of uh studio recording f- not in a studio yeah um yeah. and now that's almost the norm right and uh so people were still kind of figuring that out and we were on a budget, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, because we're all still working uh, yeah. whatever jobs we can get right. to uh, for this. Because we were only playing, I think, one to two gigs a month and, you know, 45-minute sets at a place that, if you're lucky, you made 50 bucks as a band. Yeah, totally. So, and that's only if you hustled all the tickets for yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And so it was an odd, odd time. Um, and then we got lucky enough. We, we opened up for some different acts that were coming in town because we used to have headliners here in Toledo. Yeah. And more than just having venues like headliners and frankies which frankie still exists yeah. uh but we had 106.5 the zone the zone and it used to be the buzz it used right? to be a buzz and that's when i absolutely adored it um, that was awesome it was amazing i remember i'd win <laughs> tickets like every time and i won tickets so much from buzz 106 that they were like oh man we're gonna have to skip you on this one, brother. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> yeah. you just because I would You're be doing my flyer. <laughs> I would be doing my homework, and that was right when yeah. fucking they would be like, "Caller number six. Yep. And I'd have that shit on speed dial. Like, boop, 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 boop. yeah, what's up? And, WBUZ Delta. <laughs> oh, dude. And, and I would have to drive all the way out to their little shitty radio station yeah. out there and pick up my tickets. But I saw typo negative. Yeah. And Godsmack and. Um, stone temple pilots nice just being able to like call their asses so anyway so yeah buzz i mean it, it became 106.5 the zone and what is it now is it 106.5 uh, when, it, when it turned away from turd. when it turned away from the zone it became espn sports radio for a while <laughs> and then, i mean what a contrast and then yeah. uh then it turned into I think something that was very reminiscent of like 92.5 and that didn't oh. last uh, because we already have one of those and then <laughs> we have a couple of those and then yeah. it went back to um, I think just like a talk radio uh-huh. and uh, but regardless when it was in like 2000 from like 2004 to like 2000 and I want to say 7 or 8 106.5 The Zone mm-hmm. had the homegrown zone oh, okay. every week uh, they would bring on in prime time yeah. too it wasn't at five in the morning um yeah. they would bring on i think it was sunday nights because they knew people would be listening it was like seven or eight p.m and they would do, uh, dedicate like an entire hour to local music yeah and that was amazing because right. i'm like you're on this actual like big radio station mm-hmm. and it's cumulus and they're playing all this local stuff they get local uh, artists on not they just didn't do every anybody it was like okay this band is opening up for um, like Breaking Benjamin next mm-hmm. week. So we're going to get him on and have him an interview. And yeah. so it was doing wonders for the music scene here and just getting everybody like all this press that by when all of a sudden 106.5 The Zone left, all of a sudden there was less of a turnout at these shows, not only uh-huh. locally, but then they weren't bringing in the big uh, talents to headliners anymore. I mean, I think in a, like a three-month period, they brought, uh, I think... Smile Empty Soul. I don't know if you remember them. Um, Fuel, I believe, came through here. Oh, cool. And 30 Seconds to Mars, Breaking Benjamin. Uh, and I want to say, like, 
I don't know. It was uh, like the used and like all those bands were coming mm-hmm. through here in a matter of like a year. And it was like every three weeks they were getting these big names yeah. coming through that were nationally renowned. And well, as soon as you take away radio, yeah. uh, now all of a sudden you killed that national scene. Cause we didn't have the Huntington center at the time either. Mm. Um, well, the, but the sports arena was going the sports arena was kind of on its way out at that mm. point. So, yeah. um, I mean, it was still there because they were doing Taste of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, a lot of those local acts that were playing Taste of Chaos because they had a local stage at Taste of Chaos, they were coming from 106.5 yeah. The Zone. So and so you take that out, and all of a sudden, there was the interest, the public interest or public mm-hmm. perception was like, oh, we don't have music anymore. Right. So people stopped going to shows, even though it was still there. Yeah. But it stopped going, so now Headliners is gone. Right. And... Yeah. I mean, you put, it was pulled out of the rug underneath. I mean, that's to think about. It, it was like ten years ago. Yeah, but since well, that, then, that's that's. In, I mean, because I I worked security for headliners for a while, so I saw like Corey, the guy from Slipknot, play there. I've yeah, seen Corey Good Taylor. Sh- I seen Good, which is funny because he, I was standing, I was guarding his bus, and he came with two two ladies onto the bus and like one was this skinny little number and this other girl was a portly lady but still pretty you know i'm not i'm not talking <laughs> shit about the the ladies with extra baggage i i ain't hating i love i love the thick ladies a thick lady and a little skinny lady and they he ushers them up and he, he looks at me and goes like that and i was like yeah and he's just going up there that's my story with <laughs> i also didn't let peter frampton backstage at the sports arena when oh. they were doing i think it was when carrie was running and like <clears throat> eddie vetter was doing like the get out the vote thing and, yeah yeah and like peter frampton eddie vetter they were all on tour together and they came up that's and, an odd thing to say <laughs> yeah right right um and like his driver comes up and i'm like you guys got your pass i'm working the backstage a lot and they're like no we don't have our pass i'm like okay well then you got to go get your pass if you want to come back here and he's like bro this is fucking peter frampton you're letting me in and he's like hi you know in his little i can't do it in british accent (laughs) and he's like oh mr frampton come on in which he didn't look like at that time he didn't look like peter frampton from you know live oh, 70s Fram- or whatever yeah you know <laughs> do you feel yeah. peter frampton um anyways yeah headliners was a cool spot i remember that and like and then they would have like acoustic hookah in there and shit and then they had that little stage too right they right had like a little well stage. they would even bring big x in the little stage though yeah was, yeah uh, again i mean the radio promoted the hell out of it that's so interesting that the radio was sort of like i mean especially then because that was like that's mid 2000 mm-hmm. and then after that the internet really starts to take over and sort of i mean really starts killing off radio stations which and now we're at podcast and spotify and all well, yeah there's yeah there's pros and cons really right um, but like and that's interesting that 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 station was sort of feeding the scene here so and i don't think it was internet that necessarily killed it as much i think the problem was is that they uh the big thing was is that the, so they were a cumulus radio station mm-hmm. cumulus radio and then you have clear channel yeah uh and cumulus had a little bit uh more breathing room whereas mm-hmm. clear channel uh for the longest time was very much an, uh, run on a national 
the same way that you know you can't you can't go into a Home Depot and get the same experience you're going to get from going to the mom pa uh, hardware shop uh, in a little town. Gotcha. Um, so Cumulus had more breathing room, even though they were under a bigger umbrella. Mm-hmm. Whereas Clear Channel very much was controlled from a you know. It's, California or something right, so right. you don't have as much very um, corporate yeah. ran and like this is the music that bought into getting played right. so you have to play this well Cumulus all of a sudden they all got they all got scooped up yeah. uh, and so uh, right, I think it was right around 2008 that Cumulus now became this corporately ran thanks all of a sudden they're like anything you're doing on a local level essentially has been completely cut out yeah uh because this is the songs you're gonna play this is the Mm -hmm. format we're gonna go with and and that's why now you turn on any station that's not public radio and you're getting like 40 minute blocks of the same songs right and they push it and push and push it for three weeks and then three weeks later there's all these new songs that they push and push and push it and you're like you you ask like somebody like oh I love this song I love this song and I'm like two months from now I like yeah be like so what was that song that you said you liked and they're like oh, I have no idea I'm like that's because of how disposable it is like right. they, they force it and force it and force it I'm like and then here's the new donut flavor that we're putting out yeah, but yeah. we're never gonna bring that one back right be like, that one's done <laughs> whereas you know Buzz 106.5 that was I think that was Cumulus but that was very much an independent under it was and they were playing you know stuff from the 70s to you know the mid 90s yeah man. all the time and you know it it bummed you out because i mean i would sit when i was probably 10 years old then i'd sit next to the radio like waiting to record my favorite songs on Hell a cassette yeah. tape now it'd be so easy to do that because you know in 30 minutes you're gonna hear that song again but <laughs> at the time i would like be waiting for Oh, I heard this one Metallica tune and it was probably from like, you know, 86 right. and, uh, and I'm waiting for it and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to hear it. I'd sit there for like eight hours waiting yeah. for the song, yeah. kill an entire Saturday, just sitting by the radio. <laughs> and then I just happened to hear it on the way home from a baseball game two yeah. days later. And I'm like, that's that song. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, because they played such a variety all the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. You're not always going to hear the same. So shit. I, I think as much as internet influence radio, I think they really were just scaring these big corporate companies mm. that came and bought up radio yeah. that had this panic moment said, all right, now we got to start running it like Taco Bell rather than yeah. art. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, giving the control to the people who are actually let DJs be DJs. Yeah, but yeah, that's like, gone completely. Yeah. Now it's just like when you hear DJs, they're just like these like thirty second things between. What do you think about? What do you think about Kim Kardashian's ass on the internet? Did it break it? Let me know. Right. Boo! Here's fucking Rihanna. Well, it's ran like a news program now, even yeah. with the music. They're like, all right, we have this amount of block of music. Uh, we have this little snippet from TMZ. Then we've got, you know, <laughs> exactly. now we've got this 12 minute block, uh, whatever, you know, um, the today, the, the morning show set yeah, or yeah. something. And, and then it's just like this. It's strange. Well, even like, um, I remember when Buzz 106, there was this, not Danny Schaefer. It was a guy. He didn't work at Buzz 106. He was 92.5, but yeah. it was, um, I can't remember his name, but like he had an entire like uh, I don't know, like maybe from like five forty to six o'clock, it was just him talking shit and maybe playing songs. <laughs> and it was just like he was so funny. Yeah. Like he was the funniest dude. Very unrehearsed and yeah, yeah, he just like goes. He was basically podcasting like yeah. before podcasting, which I guess that's his radio. But um 
But then, I mean, even Denny Shaver, I remember when he did his morning show on 92.5, that shit was funny. They gave know? him a lot of more breathing room. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's because he was producing ratings and they're like, well, he's doing something right. So let right, him fly a little right. bit. Right. And, and now it's just like, it's crazy. Well, and then you got like XM Sirius, who, which like you see comedians have their own channels and obviously Howard Stern, the fucking right. the king. Uh, it, it's just interesting how it's gone. Um, so in 2006, you were, d- did you guys actually book that national tour? And do so that? yeah, that, that's kind of what uh, spelled the story for the, the rest of uh, where we are at now. So it was like 2006, 2007, I think is when um, we were, we did like a mini like, in like 2006 the summer 2006 we're like we're gonna try this little mini tour first to kind of get our feet Mm -hmm. wet with the whole experience we did like an upper east coast thing and um and went to one of those like music conferences that now reverb nation like pushes all over um Mm -hmm. but at the time i think sonic bids was the one that was doing it Uh, and we went to like harrisburg pennsylvania and they were doing like you could go to these workshops uh and um listen to all these industry folks just you know different things you could work on uh with your product so it was great uh mm-hmm. for now that the uh, business aspect was now in the hands of musicians versus mm-hmm. you know once upon a time musicians didn't have to worry about that shit right so, but now you had to you had to be your own entrepreneur mm-hmm. so we went to this thing and played and shows that's, and that's like so like people get it like that's like napster era and like when fucking record companies were kind of like on the decline yeah like napster came out in 97 so oh yeah um, that's, so that's well past. but like by, but, time but, but by the time yeah. i mean it was that downward like the domino effect yeah. because by the mid 2000s we had now had these companies taking over these labels nationwide right. that are like now we're just like the radio stations now we're going to run it like a corporation right. rather than a business that was made for art right um like the business part was taken over more than ever mm-hmm. because less people are paying for it yeah. so they yeah. went no into panic one, mode no one's buying cds right anymore. what are we gonna do yeah which i mean shame on them for not jumping on the digital thing when the digital thing was actually already starting to become apparent in the mid 90s yeah and they were like well that'll never take off the internet's right. never gonna be a thing yeah and they were just old so old school about it mm-hmm. that they kind of like brushed it off and said well that'll, that'll never happen and then yeah. all of a sudden somebody's like well now we're just gonna take it and then they go oh shit (laughs) yeah and the people took it but like any business they go in a panic mode Mm -hmm. and instead of like all right how do we get our feet in this they instead crossed their arms and said digital it'll be in and out and people are still going to want that physical thing yeah and well yeah so then by the mid-2000s after they were so stubborn (laughs) now now you know bonuses are getting lost and bands are now getting not getting paid right and they're like okay we gotta rethink this yeah yeah, so I mean that's like that's a hard time to come up. Have you have you ever read that book? Um, it's a new book. It's called Meet Me in the Bathroom. Hmm. It was it's about it, if you haven't you should. It's it's an amazing book, and it's um it's about the New York rock scene from like the like n- late nineties to like two thousand ten two thousand eleven. Okay, and it just kind of goes through it, kind of starting with the Strokes and how they kind of were this like independent band that kind of went to the MTV level. And it was right at the end of, you know, the paychecks from the record companies mm-hmm. paying out. And it kind of goes through how, like, Napster kind of, like, wiped it out. Yeah. But it's all revolving around the New York scene. Talks about, like, the blog, how the bloggers were getting all the power now because they were the ones on the front lines going to these shows, writing these blogs. And people would go to these blogs to get find out who the next band was. 
I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, and it even covers like um, it covers how like the Brooklyn scene kind of like took over America, and how like the hipster scene is like everywhere now. Right. And uh, I mean, it's just incredible. And, and it goes through like bands like uh, LCD Sound System, The Rapture, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, um, The Kills, like all those New York bands that kind of came through it, and some of them who made it through, and some of them who fell to the like record label promises and stuff it's it's an amazing book and it's told by the people who were there so it's like that's cool this is like james murphy is telling his story from lcd sound system as people from the rapture talking and um lauren o from yeah 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 is talking about it and then like some of the producers and promoters and managers and stuff and like there's no like through narrative where there's this guy being like and then the yeah 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 went to there it's just all it, it's almost set up like a documentary where it's yeah. just telling the people who lived it, it that's incredible cool incredible book that kind of goes through this whole thing with the record business i mean it covers so much it's hard for me to even tell you and well, like that sounds the, like a great two, read though the two minutes that i just sort of like squished all that together yeah. but it gave me an awesome perspective on how it kind of worked nationwide and how we're we're here now with all these streaming services and stuff yeah so you guys went to this conference what did you guys find out oh it was just um it was it was refreshing because uh we had one guy in particular um two pieces of advice when we were there we had one guy say um he's like you guys have a cool sound he's like i want you to evolve it even more uh become more of yourselves and less of what's happening he mm. said because by the time you even break through and get to where you want to be the sound that you kind of are reminiscent of is going to be gone anyway and if you want to be you know he said it depends on what you want to do he's like if you want to be radio friendly um he's like you have to always go for he's like and it's this impossible thing he's like just be yourselves ultimately because go for having a sound of your own because ultimately you know either you'll get pigeonholed into something that has things that are like what you're doing or mm. you'll just get to stand alone and he referenced i think gnarls barkley at the time had crazy that mm. came out he said look what gnarls barkley's doing and he's like it's his dj and the singer and they're putting together this really cool sound i'm like oh yeah well i mean they were around for a right. very sh small amount of time but still made a big of enough impact where you play that song now and people right, yeah. know I mean, it. People, you can cover that song in a bar and people yeah. will be like, yeah. And CL Green, obviously, you know, yeah. that was a nice starting point for him. Um, but uh, he, I remember he said that. He's like, think more Gnarls Barkley. He's like, not stylistically. He's like, but think more of like how outside of the box they are. Yeah. He's like, go forward with that kind of feeling. He's like, well, still trying to make it your own. Um, he's like, because, you know, the problem is so many, band, so many bands here all these groups that they currently love yeah and just try to like fall into that yeah recreate and, um, it. and so he's like so do that and there was this other guy who said you only play the piano on two songs as i play piano aside from sing i started bringing more of that into highland because mm. i didn't do that in hunter's run uh and he's like you play the piano he's like you only do it in two songs out of the nine songs you play he's like the piano automatically gives you guys a different sound from he's like piano is almost unheard of now on radio yeah and he's like put that in every one of your songs and i'm constantly thinking i'm like yeah i'm like well i mean the fray i think at the time like was coming mm -hmm. through and like you've had cold play i'm like and they had piano and it automatically gives it the soft sound he's right. like he's like keep your harder sound he's like throw the piano in there he's like it'll just be cool yeah and i'm like 
okay, that's. I mean, I get, I get that. So, did you guys perform at this place? Or yeah, so okay, they had okay. This so conference. he had a chance to see. Yeah, so you he actually guys. had to see that's it awesome. and give us like you know, yeah, get right feedback. On the spot, yeah, on the spot. that's really awesome. Really neat how they set it up. And I, and now, like I said, I think uh, Reverb Nation uh, sets a similar stuff up. It just it costs a lot more. Like I think they do one in Nashville, which mm. I mean, it costs a lot to just go to this conference. Right. And um, for me, it's it's fine because now I'm in you know my 30s and I've been working a lot, and so I could go afford it. But if I was 22 again, I'd be like, how the hell am I supposed to do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we, yeah, we went there and it was great, and we had this like little taste of a tour, and we were just like, we need to do like the national thing. Yeah. And so I think within I think five or six months, we were back in town. We were down playing at Howard's and BG. Mm. And of all places, I mean, I think uh, the school was on spring break. So we're like, this is going to be a dud of a show. Yeah. And uh, we just happened to be opening for this group that had this, you know, big tour bus and had MTV, like stuff all over the side of it. And they were on this tour. They were from Seattle. And they were part of MTV's spring break tour. So they had all these cameras and stuff. And we're like, (laughs) what the hell? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, but bad bad uh uh bad planning on their part because <laughs> they're doing this mtv spring break tour i'm like and bg's on spring break right now yeah, yeah. i'm like you'd think that you'd want to go when like schools and session right, did, right. but i guess they were just seeing what spring break was like throughout the country mm-hmm. and we're showing that you know this midwestern town kind of dies which is normally <laughs> really booming uh mm-hmm. on a regular night and so um but we got to talk with uh their management and everything and they said i love your guys sound well we took a lot of advice from the conference yeah. a few months back and we started making those changes and uh it was really giving us a better sound and then uh they're like yeah we want you to get on this tour with us uh, we're gonna book a nationwide tour uh in about six seven months oh, um yeah. and just like any fast talker they're throwing stuff out like playboy mansion appearances and like all this stuff and yeah, of course yeah. you know we're 22 23 and, and we're like really yeah, all right yeah. like i think one of the guys was 20 and he's like we should do this now and i'm like well she said six seven months she's like well i have a big conference call um once we get back to seattle we'll give you all the details we'll send over contracts all this planning but um you know we'll take care of you as far as travel expense and uh the only thing you know if you guys sell merch you know we take a cut of it Mm. uh and you guys don't get paid for the shows but we pay for your we pay for your food you get up to i think like 20 bucks of food a day Mm. each person yeah and we'll pay for your expenses uh, as far as uh travel and stuff i said so even if we break even for two months uh and don't spend anything we'll make money by selling merch i'm like that's pretty good for exposure yeah for a band you know out of toledo ohio that nobody knows except for toledo ohio right and so like let's do it so we get on the phone and they're like yeah the headlining band is going to be cartel um and i guess they were starting to make waves at the time and and we knew who they were because they opened for a lot of the bigger acts at the time and um so we're like cool cartel and i didn't really care for their music but i said give me a national tour sweet yeah yeah it's gonna be us and a few other bands and so that's when i was like all right not going back to college for another (laughs) semester yeah let's do this tour we all made plans um my job is gonna let me keep my job um i was working retail um target yeah, hey. in the electronics department and, um, you know yeah. and because i started there i think summer of 05 and um just part-time 
and they had a photo lab so i left the one photo lab for another yeah hey. and <laughs> when people actually had film yeah. and um so target was like you can take a leave of absence uh we'll let you and i was like well that's awesome and you can come back here and you'll have a job waiting for you so we had all the paperwork set up every one of us some of the guys were gonna have to leave their job and then i think it was about two months out from our first date uh we got a call saying cartel just signed on to do a reality show for mtv2 uh now that we don't have a headlining act now we have to scramble to find a headlining act for all these dates otherwise the tour is off oh shit and so we're like okay so yeah. mind you i think one guy already quit his job and oh, um i had yet to file my paperwork for the leave of absence um i think i had like a week mm. and so she said she'd let us know in a matter of days and i think in five days she called us and she's like yeah the tour is off oh. and so we're like oh okay so yeah. i mean and <laughs> so, so that, that's crushing disappointment and then yeah and how so how did like how did you deal with that like personally like how well, I mean, how did that how did that affect you personally i mean we were you know again early 20s and this was supposed to be you know the uh this was going to take us to that next step mm. you know realizing it's still a long haul but yeah. you know it was a great way to get a national tour without having to book it ourselves without having to pay for yeah i mean just when we did a week and a half tour of our on our own dime yeah we were spending money i think one of our guys was having money wired to him from his parents because we were running out halfway through the tour yeah, we weren't really you know we weren't business savvy but you know we were 20 21 22 so right, and you were, um you were hungry yeah yeah I and got so you. so now we're 21 22 23 years old and we're like all right this is gonna be a game changer and uh yeah that happened and so i'm like well like i don't know if i really wanted to go back to school anyway <laughs> and uh the guy who quit his job he didn't really care because he's like i can go get another job it was, i've only been there for a short time yeah. my uh work was happy uh yeah. that i they weren't losing me for two months yeah. or three months or whatever it was going to be so and i think initially i was like one of the guys said he's like so no playboy mansion and i was like <laughs> way to make <laughs> you know light of the situation yeah um so we kind of regrouped. We were all discouraged yeah. uh, for a while. And then um, we're like, well, time to make another EP. Yeah. Uh, let's just go back and start recording again. So, so it was kind of a kind of a crushing blow, but you were just like, well, this is... Got to use this motivation. Yeah, I mean, this like, can't be the end of us. Right. Well, and then obviously you had something that people saw, you know, somebody saw something in your right. So there was something there. Which was just a fluke because right. it was just what we thought was going to be a dead gig to begin with. Right. So yeah um so we use that as motivation but i mean in the process we start writing different i mean i i was mainly like the uh, the main songwriter every now and then the guitar player uh mike haskins who i now like i said play a bunch of projects with uh he and i would sit down and we would till five in the morning just sit there and hash out um he would write riffs and i'd write songs around it and we'd bring it to the rest of the guys and so we started taking things in a different direction because i always said uh you know, even though I liked Breaking Benjamin at the time, I said, I don't want to be the Breaking Benjamin that just makes the same album over and over and over and mm -hmm. over again. I'm like, it works. Right. People buy it. I'm like, but I love those bands that make different, really different albums. Yeah. Uh, and so I said, you know, let's challenge ourselves to take a different direction. And not everybody in the group was into it. And so then we started having frustrations with the fact that I think that was right around the time. So this was 2007, 2008, that uh the zone was going away so oh, now yeah. uh we started getting discouraged because a lot less shows were popping up um shows that were you know really gonna get kind of any uh 
exposure or anything, I mean, less people started showing up to gigs. And yeah. so then the stress was on promoters and they wanted us to start hustling these shows more. And I'm like, how can we convince people to come watch us, you know, at Frankie's with a couple other bands that they don't know versus, you know, a year ago, they knew all these bands. Mm. And then there was a headliner that was going to come in and play. And so it just became this thing where we were now uh, responsible for bringing all this yeah. stuff in and we we didn't we didn't know we we thought we were going to go on a national tour <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. um so yeah so we we all started getting discouraged and then we're like well you know let's look into maybe i think we went down to uh grove city ohio which is just south of columbus okay. we played at this bar that always just has cover bands uh-huh. and but they liked our sound which was weird because i was <laughs> like this place wants to hear us yeah and they wanted to hear us, but they want us to, you know, fill a three-hour time slot right. um, with some cover stuff. And we're like, well, let's just learn some cover tunes. It can't hurt uh, to learn stuff. I mean, we uh, one, that was one thing that Brett Scallions, the lead singer of Fuel, talked at that conference we were at. Because I guess he's from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. So he had talked about how Fuel started as a cover band because they just got tight at their instruments and then write, wrote their own stuff. Yeah. So he said, let's learn some covers. We did. We went down to Grove City partied more than really playing <laughs> and um because <laughs> you know we're traveling and so right, hey. <laughs> and, and sleeping in the van and stuff so we uh we came back and we're like you know we got paid i think like 500 bucks yeah. and and to us i mean that was versus you know maybe making 40 bucks right uh hustling a gig here and we didn't have to sell tickets for this and so we're like all right maybe there's something to this yeah and so we said, why don't we start playing some cover shows to make up for the shows that we're not getting anybody. So at mm. least we're working while also learning. Right. Uh, instead of just all of us working three jobs and then mm. playing one show once exactly. in a while not getting paid for it. So two of the guys were not so much into that concept. Uh, three of us were. Uh, our drummer started playing in a cover band um, uh. at the time because the rest of us weren't into it and well not the rest of us we weren't unanimously into right. it and so he started making this great money on the weekends yeah and so uh, me and my guitar player were like maybe we can go start doing acoustic covers at a place you know to uh since we're only playing twice a month um just to make some extra cash and i think by then that we had finished our ep in that time my grandmother passed away who i was really close with uh so obviously i went i mean i was in a really nasty place mm. um and uh yeah so i think between like the ep and not knowing how to even sell it anymore because nobody's buying right. the stuff um and then my grandmother passing and then we have a band that doesn't really have a f- doesn't know our future um and the one guy's playing a cover band and we're gonna start playing covers and then i think within a matter of months and this was i think right after i met my wife this was like on uh, july of 08 no, July of 09. And um, I think by that September, our drummer asked us, me and the guitar player, to join this cover band he was in because they were getting mm. rid of two guys. And we're like, okay. <laughs> All right. Let's make some money. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think, like Highland, there was just, at this point, there was kind of like this weird thing going on because nobody wanted to do all the same things. So yeah. we just said, all right, let's just call it quits. Yeah. And so we were done. That cover group ended up becoming Nine Lives, which now has been together for eight years. Oh, um, that then you're still in that band, still in it now. The thing was that that opened up opportunities for so many other things, yeah. Um, uh, because uh, Nine Lives, I mean, was just doing 
you know top 40 covers of the past you know i think 50 50 years or something yeah. so we would do anything from like a chuck berry to uh like lady gaga and yeah. so it was cool i mean again i was 24 25 and now we're really making good money yeah and we're playing every weekend and I think we played every weekend for two years and started doing weddings and stuff. And we're just bringing all this money that I, didn't, I wasn't getting from my right. education and all that. So we're like, this is great. And then, you know, part of me is like, well, let's still write some music. Right. And I want to do this. And uh, we were talking about writing music and two years into it, we weren't doing anything <laughs> original music. And I was kind of bummed out about that. And because uh, I was like, well, I don't want to just be a cover band for that's my life because I can pick that up and do that at 50. Yeah. Like, I'm still 25, 26 years old. Right. So uh, myself and the guitar player, Mike Haskins, who, mind you, goes back to Hunter's Run days in high school. Yeah. He and I and uh, our keyboard player who we met through this band, Tim Bauer, we decided to just do a trio, branch off and do a trio on like Wednesdays and Thursdays when they weren't hiring bands. And maybe this would lead to some original music. Yeah. We somehow decided to play a bunch of like real like super oldies kind of stuff, mm -hmm. like 50s and 60s stuff uh, because we were playing at some older bars and um, we were digging the music. I always liked the oldie stuff growing up anyway. And uh, so we started doing that and that we call it the new fashioned as in like old fashioned, but it was yeah. the new and it was named after a cocktail. So we're, uh, <laughs> we're like, yeah, that's, that's fun. And uh, I wrote all this music for it. Well, then we decided to make that in a full five piece band within a year and a half. And now that band to this day is together as, as well, as well as nine lives. And through that, you know, I started playing more piano. Um, I think right around the time I started playing, uh, at a couple retirement homes during the day because mm. um, they love all like the 20s, 30s, 40s swing. Yeah. And that was making me a way better piano player because jazz, as yeah, you were talking, man. like the, the chops behind that. So I started doing that and then I started playing solo nights uh, when they couldn't hire bands and then me and the other piano players started doing, doing piano nights. Uh, oh, nice. So now we've been playing on all these projects uh, for six plus years uh, to make ends meet and then also just different venues different nights now obviously seeing with toledo like the growth of, of like downtown there's more places yeah. to play but the new fashioned that was going to be our vehicle to uh make original music yeah. we made uh an ep in august of 2015 i think we released it uh and which was it was cool we did it ourselves uh we said, you know, going forward, we want to change it up a little bit. It had too much of that old swing sound. We were trying to combine that with, I think, uh, like techno swing was like a big thing. Oh shit! Uh, that came yeah. out like Miami or something, uh -huh. and so we were like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's yeah. modern with like something from almost a hundred years ago. Right. We were doing some of that, and then we're like, you know, we're rockers. So let's get back into like we like a lot of like the southern rock, like the '60s uh, rock, yeah. and so. Let's get back into that, but make it fresh. And so we've been working on that recently. Oh, it's um, fun. To, to, you know, make some more music ourselves. Um, but in the frustration of getting people together to write music, I was like, you know what? I just need to put out my own album. Mm. And that's where the whole Jake and the Venom, the album I gave you, yeah. uh, came from. And so that catches you up to today now. And I've been doing that for a few years now. Okay. And when did you record this? So I took about a year to record that. That's I self-recorded and self-produced it and engineered and, and uh, did that right of my home. And um, But learned from some of the best producers that I got mm. uh, involved with over the years. And so... And I wanted to try to 
involve a lot of different almost i always take call the hip-hop approach mm. where instead of like bands of of uh so many over the years especially solo artists would always have like full like 20 piece like bands play on yeah. throughout their record yeah um and so instead of having a bunch of people play i played all the instrumentation on it but then would always feature a specific toledo artist on, ah. e- on each track on there it's kind of I said the hip hop approach, you know. Right. It's Lil Wayne featuring, yeah, you know, yeah. Young Jeezy or whatever. Right, right. So, so every track, it's like I think the first one, "When the Sky Falls Down," is featuring Justin Marchand, who the uh, to bring it all back. Justin Marchand was our guitar player in high school who left to be in the Marines. Oh, okay. And so the whole song is about civil unrest and the current state of the world. Oh. Um, and so I thought it'd be important if I actually had a, a Marine, so it didn't just sound like I was this anti-war. Right, kinda, right. Like, I wanted somebody from yeah both sides been to, there, to, has that. been there and done that. So that's why uh, you know, aside from him being an amazing guitar player, that's how the soul the whole uh, album opens. Well, then let's listen to that song. Cool. All right, we're going to listen to When the Sky Falls Down off of Jake and the Venom, Between Then and When. Hey, hey, little mama, where you going when the sky falls down? Hey, hey, little mama, send away you going when the sky falls down, when the sky falls the sky falls, the sky falls down Where you going when the sky falls down? There's fire in the streets and the rivers run with blood There's fire in the streets and the rivers run with blood The violence has a way for darkness Now the darkness killed the sun Hey, every mother and every child's got a gun. Got a gun. Hey, every mother and every child's got a gun. Hey, hey, little mama, where you going when the sky falls down? Hey, hey, little mama, send away you going when the sky falls down. When the sky falls, the sky falls, the sky falls down. Put a lie on the throne and the people in the mud Freedom wasn't made for madness Now the madness killed the fun And now a mother's only child on the run Now a mother's only child on the run When the sky falls down, hey, hey, little mama, send away you gone. When the sky falls down, when the sky falls, the sky falls, the sky falls down. Where you gone? When the sky falls down.
When I listen through to the album, because I've listened to it now, um, you have a lot of, like, you'll go in, anywhere from, like, a program beat to, like, I think you got, do you got slide on there, too? Like, or, or all no, sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's, like, <laughs> country kind of feel yeah. to it. It's like, when you approached it, what was, um, did you set out to make an album that just was, like, kind of all over the map? Or were you just sort of, like, did you have an idea formed? Like, what was your approach to making the album? It was it was tough. I mean, uh, the reason I call it Between Then and When as mm-hmm. the title of the album is that it was um, kind of uh, a nod to songs. I mean, some of those songs are now seven or eight years old mm-hmm. um, as far as me writing them. And I had no vehicle to... Uh, put them out right. because whether it was in Highland or a cover band, like I was like, what am I going to do with some of these songs playing in these cover bands? I mean, the multiple uh, projects as yeah. I've listed, there's a lot of styles and genres I've tapped into and I love a lot of different ones. Mm. Uh, so I wanted the first solo album to kind of represent, okay, like this is kind of like where I've been in between then and when, when being the future uh, to kind of, you know, there's, I try to make them a cohesive unit overall, but mm-hmm. also Coma sounds like a concept album is yeah. a sense that it tries to tap into so much, uh, as an appreciation of different styles, but also trying to figure out how to bring them together. But yeah, there's, there was, uh, I obviously always want to make something that sounds, you know, like every track isn't the same without specifically saying, Oh, I'm going to make a country song. Right. Oh, I'm going to make a eighties sounding song. Right. Like, um, it just, a lot of the songs that I wrote in the past year are, are uh, it became part of uh, just the climate of social media, this the society that we've been in. And I said, it's, it's a great time for songwriters right now because of uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in the world. Yeah, and, um, and, and and looking back to like the 60s or even again, the early 90s, I mean, that's uh, two eras where the songwriters are really talking about what was happening yeah. uh, instead of just shake your booty or whatever yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> which is fine i mean some people just yeah. want a release in music to have fun and shake right. their booty they, they whatever. Just dance. and then like, other people want to release as in uh the same reason you know you'll read the book that you're talking about mm-hmm. of those bands in the in the right. in new york like you want something that's a, it's a release for you but it's also an education and right i like songs also be somewhat yeah that it's almost like journalism in yeah. a way you know you're capturing a moment exactly and time yeah. like here's where we were so when you know my nieces and nephews look back they can be like oh, i wonder what was behind this song because yeah. it's saying more than shake your booty <laughs> <laughs> money <laughs> <know>? bitches weed <laughs> right <laughs> uh, so uh what how do you usually start with like your, your writing process like where where does it start for you uh probably because i um the music that as i was a kid i mean i was listening to doo-wop and a lot of that stuff of uh, the 50s and or even like the 40s stuff and the Sinatra stuff, like they, essentially they taught me a hook. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, which is important in the sense of uh, writing a song that's accessible to any ear. Because yeah. uh, that's the reason pop music exists is because it's built around a hook. Um, but even like great, really uh, song, like songs that are all over the place, s- stylistically, uh, even a lot of metal, like you listen to it and there's still that hook that brings mm-hmm. in the average ear. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't want everything to be based completely on a hook, but a lot of times, you know, the hook is where it would start. I'd get some, maybe a line in my head or I would get a melody in my head and I'm like, that's a cool starting point. Or maybe that's the chorus or maybe that's just the verse. Mm -hmm. But then I'd sit down and, okay, let's start writing something around it. So, so you'd get like a melody, singing melody. Naturally as a, as a singer and piano player. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's all where a lot of it starts. Okay, so you'll just be like driving along and just start humming something, you'd be like, yeah. or saying a word, and you'd be like, oh yeah, that's it. Well, thankfully now with you know the phones having the voice oh, memo, I mean, I used to just lose ideas all the yeah. time. <laughs> I try to write them down, and I would try to think of like, hey, does this remind me of another song? That maybe yeah. I can write that song down, and so I remember it, and that oh, always no. failed. Uh, but <laughs> technology is awesome. Yeah, I've totally been like, <laughs> I've totally been at like my desk at work and been like dun, 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 dun. okay oh shit okay and i'll just get up and go to the bathroom and i'll be in the bathroom like dun, 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 so no one can hear me all like just being weird or if it's a bass line and shit yeah um yeah and that's what it is sometimes it's just a melody that's a bass line where it's got a groove and so yeah. you write around that yeah yeah especially as a multi-instrumentalist yeah i find that it's like you can start anywhere you know like but sometimes for me it's it's strange because like i'll go through waves like uh where i'll be writing almost strictly on piano and then i'll be writing almost strictly on bass and then almost strictly on guitar and it's just waves it's just different Mm -hmm. just different i don't know what it is yeah it's like right now i'm Shit, I haven't really even wrote anything ever since I started my soul-crushing UPS job. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, it's hard going from a full-time musician, business owner, to a box jockey at UPS. Yeah. (laughs) But... Get a good workout. You know, I I, I don't mind it that much because I I like to be physical and I like... um, and I like to listen to podcasts or books on tape or whatever it is. Right. So I'm, and no one really fucks with you. So yeah. it's not horrible, but it's definitely not what I want to be doing. Right. And, uh, we're trying to figure some shit out here too. So I, I just got back in September. So okay. for the first like three months, I just, I didn't really have to work. My wife teaches voice lessons online and our business out in California is still in progress. So we'd get a lump sum every few months so i was like i don't really even have to work yeah and um and i was like all right this is bullshit i because I, <laughs> I, i'm living at my mom's house right now which she doesn't live there i always have to clarify i don't live with my mother <laughs> but her house is just sitting over there somewhere gotcha. and uh so we had a place to stay and so i was like okay i gotta get out of my mom's house and now it's like let's, she wants to buy a house and so we're gonna buy a house and so there we go um um what's like a weakness uh musically uh like whether it's your playing or your singing that you've uh overcome in the past or recently overcome or something that you're working on currently so like for me my left hand um i'm always working on my left hand on piano because it sucks Mm -hmm. it's just not it's not autonomous like it should be uh so i'm constantly working on that so something like that is what i mean yeah uh actually the switch it um it would actually for a while it was my right hand on the piano because i'm left-handed uh which worked out when we were doing doing pianos because my uh, other piano player is (laughs) right-handed and so and i i always have a knack for rhythm and i've always loved bass and so Mm. 
I'm playing a lot of the bass lines. Um, yeah. Especially, I was a huge fan of the Doors uh, growing yeah. up. So Ray, like Ray Manzarek yeah. is the one that really got me interested in piano to begin with. That little fucking Rhodes, that bass Rhodes. Well, the fact that he was playing bass on his left hand and yeah. playing the organ on his right, right. Uh, with his double stack was just nuts. And so that always. Uh, from the time that we started uh, with the new fashion, we were playing oldies. It's mm. like, well, you need these bass lines uh, right. for some of these old songs. And so I would just ride on my left hand and not even play oh, my right hand so at all. Jealous. And so, <laughs> but that got that so strong yeah. that I was kind of neglecting my right hand. Yeah. So over the past few years, I've been really testing and doing exercises to try to get like that going with my right hand. Yeah. Yeah. Without that's... repeating what my left hand's doing. Cause right. naturally, I mean, when you uh. get the whole, uh, what is it? The pat your head and rub your belly thing. Yeah. Like naturally, you, your hands want to do the same mm-hmm. thing, which is why I always have a respect for drummers. And I yeah, mean, it's man. just yeah. It's anybody nuts. who can kind of get that. Yeah. Everything's doing different things at yeah. once. It's like, how about those assholes who are like running the B three bass with their foot, doing something over <laughs> yeah. here, and doing that? It's like you sons of bitches. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> no, that's a uh, that's my friend. Um, Philip J, who he's a he's an organ. Well, he plays piano, but he's this fantastic organ player. He grew up in the church, Baptist church. That's how I started oh, playing with nice. the Baptist band. I play guitar, and this dude, you'll just see him run, boom, 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 boom. You know, just running with his That's foot, crazy. going back and forth, and then he's just doing something over here, doing something over here, hitting the fucking Leslie on and off, <laughs> pulling bars and shit. It's just like watching someone work an organ like that is a show of its own. It's insane. I love that so much. So you're working on your right hand. Yeah, that's and that's probably been the biggest thing. I mean, I used to, uh, before that, it was probably, I would always uh, put too much. Uh, when we started doing the cover stuff, I went from, you know, doing 40-minute sets, yeah. putting everything into those 40 minutes, and then all of a sudden have to play three hours of music. <laughs> And I was putting everything into these songs and then realized I barely had a voice by the second set. So yeah. that was something I had to work on for oh, a while, yeah. too. What did you, how did you uh, overcome that? Just, uh, I mean, a lot of it comes down to having good good enough sound and kind of realizing to back up a little bit and, mm. and focus on dynamics. And, um, I mean, that was, you know, six, seven years ago. I've, I've gotten so much better at right. dynamics and everything since then. And at the same time, it's a better listening experience for the audience because... Right the sound is going up and down mm. rather than just streamlined. You know? Yeah. yeah. Isn't even if you can sing really well, nobody wants to hear you just belt everything out. Right. You know, it's like, it's like a guitar player soloing the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, yeah, fish is cool, yeah. but yeah. But I mean, it's like chill out, play yeah. a riff once in a yeah, while. Listen, listen. <laughs> I always love the Tom Petty quote. It was like, don't bore us, get to the chorus. That's just my, <laughs> it's like one of my favorite quotes. That's hilarious. Besides your network is your net worth. It's right. like th- those two things are just, that's great um the so when you're when you were singing like do you think it was just also just getting used to just doing those three hour sets as well like just building up your diaphragm or whatever yeah i mean there's so much that goes into playing three hours of music anyway because it's it's and i honestly or even those four hour the dreaded four hour gigs yeah well that's why when i say three hours i mean it's i know you're it's a four hour gig but yeah with three hours of music i've I've been at places where they're just like oh you guys need to keep going it's like no we need a break we need like like I've actually been places where they're like, no, you get one like 15 minute break between, you know, at like 11 o'clock or whatever. And it's like, nah, son. Right. (laughs) Like our singer can't go like that. It's crazy. It's your hands. And I mean, you you need to take. So you'll do like the 45 minutes, 15 minute type thing. Yeah. 45, 15, 45, 15, 45 or 
one hour, half hour, one hour, half yeah, hour, one yeah. hour. Any other way, I think it's just it's nuts because it is unless you're sitting there like if I'm if I'm sitting there and playing like lounge jazz, like I used to play a degage on, mm. on the piano, and I would sit there and play a whole jazz night. Oh, that's nice. But like my fingers would get tired, yeah. but it didn't really affect my performance too much because mm. I wasn't hopping around and trying to put on a show. Right. When we're trying to put on a show, I'm like, there's nobody, nobody that I've, I mean, we're, we're talking from like the top tier of like touring bands of forever. I mean, like there's nobody that can go a hundred percent for that entire three hours. There's yeah. nobody that can. I'm yeah, like, and, right. and then it comes through and people are like, you know, you guys sound great in the first set or you guys, you know, sometimes it's your second set. You really wake up and you're warmed up. I'm yeah. like, but then, you know, by, by the last like three songs, everybody's kind of already checked out Yeah, <laughs> and you're just running on fumes. Right. Yeah. Un- unless you're just standing up there, not really like performing. If you're right. just standing up there and playing and kind of going through the motions and I'm more and more, I think I see a lot of bands that have made it uh, over the years as far as playing in town mm-hmm. and constantly doing it. I go and see them. I'm like, yep, they look like they checked out 10 years ago. I mean, and that's a yeah. big thing too, because totally. maybe it's for this sustainable energy, mm. but I'm like, maybe more places should book two bands a night and let one, one band play an hour yeah. and a half and this other band play an hour and a half. But yeah. Well, it I I I got I I played in this band. It was a toga band. It was a toga party band, <laughs> and great. we all had to wear togas, which <laughs> I had a problem with. I did, but like after I got into it for a little, but I remember the first like couple gigs I played with him. I was just filling in, and he was like, "Come on, man! Don't be, you can't just sit up there with a sourpuss look on your face. You gotta like fucking smile or something, right. you know? Like do like smile." And then. And then towards the end of my run with those guys, I was like jumping around playing and like getting into it. And there is, uh, you get tired, but shit, man, that's your job. And yeah. it's like, it, you you have to take it, you have to, you gotta look at it as you're lucky enough to be able to do that. Oh yeah, It's like, definitely. I am able to do this and I don't have to go sit in a prison cubicle yeah. or or be a box jockey. Uh, but, you know, like just, and when there's nothing wrong with working in office, there's nothing wrong with being a blue collar worker. My parents, same thing. Yeah. Blue collar workers. I have but, a lot of respect for people that can do that. Yeah, it, it drives me crazy to do that. Uh, for real. But I have a lot of respect for people that can just it's go and, and, and do that and do that 40 hours a week yeah, and be good at it. Oh, my God. And, and not have it affect them mentally. Right. Uh, and, and, like, it does. But, like, you know, the, however they Some people they just like, do it for 40 years and it's, and it's nothing, though. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, this is like they were just happy to have the job. Yeah. That's and, respectable. And, like, for, like, doing this UPS thing, I work like four hours a day so and i mean it's exhausting but like i, I mean after four hours i think i start going nuts myself oh yeah but like you like get I, into your own head it, it's fucked up and i and we're working on our own thing here so i'm not gonna work at you yet like and like my mom was just like well why don't you see if you can become a driver i was like mom i'm not making a career out of ups it's like i'm not trying to work my way up the ups ladder i'll try to get in and then get the fuck out because because we've only been here a few months so i'm working on it yeah it's, and it's hard to break into a new scene man like trying to because oh, like, that's you know like you've grown up with the people you play with and, and even then i still had to work to break into different of course scenes, you know of it's, course and in san diego i kind of grew up with these guys you know yeah. for like for the last 11 years and now these guys are playing in new zealand and doing all these things and traveling the world and the country and 
it took me a long time to even get into you know that especially with being a drunk asshole just <laughs> doing whatever he wanted right um so it's been a few months i'm working on it here but um what what was like what was the what was like a seminal album for you that sort of like changed the way you looked at music and i know this is a hard question for a musician but it's by design so like if you have multiple that's fine yeah i mean i think a lot of it depends on the time the time of my life um because uh there was probably the first one that really got me really paying attention to more than just the melody Mm -hmm. because again like a natural singer uh you pay attention to the singing and you don't necessarily hear every bass line you don't necessarily hear every uh my drummer calls them ghost notes like Mm -hmm. the notes that are being played by the drummer but they don't like you know travel to the regular ear um so uh believe it or not it was probably nirvana unplugged yeah um beautiful maybe because it was so stripped down Mm -hmm. and you could really hear everything at the forefront yeah um i mean and it was all those unplugged albums because stp did it and pearl jam did it allison chains again i still listen to that one all the time it's so good i just think the unplugged concept the way they would do it then Mm -hmm. uh was just really neat and those were probably what really made me start listening and i was eight i think when most eight or nine when those came out yeah and so they those were the ones and you know and then later on um i don't know a lot of like the i think the next one there was it was probably a system of down album by the like the 2000s i would also put actually californication uh Mm. red hot chili peppers um again because they were going all over the place on the album as far as style and i think that was their first album back with their original guitar player john Uh, john Frusciante. yeah and so you could tell that he was back because it was definitely a far cry from one hot minute that they did with dave navarro yeah so which is still an awesome album i still love that i was weird as hell beautiful but it's it was great Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i read i had to stop reading it because i just (laughs) um i don't know i read his uh book scar tissue Mm -hmm. and like god if i knew that person which i've known people like anthony kiedis yeah but like I would I, I would hate him because he was such an asshole like just kid. I mean he's just a young punk ass kid who got lucky enough to find this original band with this original oh, yeah. sound. And um and as soon as he started talking about being like fucking models in the French Riviera, that's when I kinda check out. Yeah. Same thing for like the Keith Richards book. I guess kinda checked out, right? <laughs> it's like I like the struggle and then it's just sort of like it gets redundant. It's like and then we went to South America and laid on the beach and drank Mai Tais and then I shot up heroin. And it's right. like okay i get it yeah. <laughs> like you're rich and famous like i want to hear more of like the really truly behind the scenes right. stuff that is not going to be on uh behind the music yeah, or whatever. i just i just check out those books yeah. the only book like miles davis's book was awesome even though he like i wouldn't I, I wouldn't like him either he was an asshole too but like yeah but that's just thing we just had this conversation recently with multiple people uh, among my band members and stuff i said imagine how different american history music would be if social media and the the level of everything everybody recording everything imagine if that has always just been imagine how different our presidency would be imagine how different music history would be i mean because all those guys would wouldn't last right i mean frank sinatra would have been you know arrested two years into his career right i mean those guys wouldn't exist yeah 
exactly especially with this climate where yeah the me too and the time's up climate yeah which i mean yes there there's, there's which is great but yeah, it's but good you, that we're building that awareness but yes. it's 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 also just like it's this it's it's another crazy form of entertainment for people mm-hmm. and it is and people are now entertained by arguing with each other constantly is, over man. social media and it's like yeah that's weird that you're entertained by this all this like tension right right and it's good uh you know make make things heard but at the same time it's it's great that we all have a voice mm-hmm. on these big platforms and it's also really scary that we all have a voice because not all thoughts are very well thought out no <laughs> yeah and and not everybody should probably have a vote <laughs> it's like i'm sorry uh, not everybody lot- should have a, a vote that's not educated vote i mean yeah, exactly, you know, I, exactly i would love everybody have a vote but i'd also have let everybody have an educated education first yeah it's, you know, and it's it's tough because there's just some there's just some dummies out there and like it's 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 weird it's weird time to be a part of but also like great i really love this time we're definitely in the best time that's ever happened because of the uh opportunities that exist um it's just also uh we're also in one of the weirdest times because of how good we have it Mm. and yet people are equating it to be one of the worst times ever <laughs> and it's because we're taking it for granted yeah and we're not focusing so much on what's really good um i mean i'm i'm guilty of it too yeah. i mean because i think the music industry is a shit show compared to what it used to be but at yeah. the same time now we can put out stuff that you know might even have a chance to sell uh worldwide right not necessarily to the scale that the rolling stones are selling but we can do it from ohio mm-hmm. i don't have to leave my family and right. go to new york city and i don't right. have to go to you know wherever to yeah. do it so exactly. you can kind of yeah the gatekeeper is kind of yeah. is gone and, and we're like, getting wonderful independent music now more yeah. than ever and eventually i think i think the younger kids now will catch on to that and realize that okay, maybe I don't go to whatever the Grammys or MTV is mm-hmm. telling me to listen to. Maybe that isn't what I go and listen to. And more right. and more young young people aren't doing that. Right. Yeah, and it, you can, nowadays you can build a following and like go and play for your crowds and make a decent living just being an artist. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And that's all I want is just to be able to express myself and, and like get by in life. And, and I that's think, essentially what it was like truthfully before like the whole rock star thing existed i mean you look at the pre-50s the only bands that were making any money really getting any national attention were your big bands your big yeah, swing bands Benny but Goodman most most of those them. weren't making these huge careers they right. were just being covered by the media at the time right. but i mean most of it was you know you go to memphis you get a sound you go to chicago you get a sound yeah. none of them were rock stars they right. were just really good right and making an honest living and that right. was it yeah and just being comfortable yeah and i think that's where it all comes back down to when i've been just sort of expounding this idea of like what society looks as an artist should be it's like really it should be looked at like i mean uh, as like almost like a blue collar gig you know like you just like not everyone's gonna make it to that upper echelon where you're like diamonds and champagne and bitches money weed (laughs) it's like there's a one percent less maybe even less than one percent of artists like really you should be looking at it as like how do i make this into a a career where i can make money and make a living and be happy yeah and finding happiness within well then learning how to define what happiness is for you is probably the first key for for anybody yeah Yeah. for sure because what the fuck is happiness yeah well and and don't take (laughs) advice of what happiness is from 
what two chains is yeah. you know selling you know what i mean or yeah. or you know miley you know spray paint like spraying a bottle of champagne on everybody yeah. at a party like they're selling that because they want you to invest yeah. in other products they right. don't want you to invest in the music the music's there to invest in their clothing line or their yeah. jewelry line or whatever they're exactly. selling this like mirage mm-hmm. and it's just like no it's like yeah. just uh yeah it's like just just find your, Do your place. thing yeah and if if that is what happiness is for you by yeah. all means good luck go those go are for really it. those are hard right. things to obtain right um or you can go and buy you know a really cheap seven dollar bottle of champagne and spray it on your friends <laughs> it doesn't take that put it on youtube baby you don't, don't have to yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? you don't have to put your music on the line to do that just go buy the champagne and make a mess <laughs> for sure man um okay let's listen to another song and wrap up here cool uh what should we play Oh, I don't know. Um, probably uh, nobody lives forever. Uh, just because I kind of wrote that as a, a message to not only myself but to other artists. Uh, it's kind of a. Uh, it says right in there, kind of going back to what we just were talking about. It says, um, "When you know that love." Um, when I'm forgetting the lyrics of the song, but um, perception makes your treasure, and happiness is measured by the choices we make. Yeah. Uh, after all nobody lives forever and it's it's all about you know going finding out what you want to do what you love to do what makes you happy and just do it because you might be dead tomorrow so you might as well be happy today yeah that's beautiful that's a great way to end it cool end this conversation all right so we'll listen to nobody lives forever off of jake and the venom between then and when Perception makes your treasure When you know 
Thank you so much for doing the show. How can people find your music? How can people find you? How can people hire you to do yeah. you? Well, thanks for having me. Um, well, to uh, find me, hire me, do pretty much anything. <laughs> um, it's uh, my email is jakepmusic at gmail dot com. Yeah. Easy enough. Uh, go to jakepaluski dot com. That's uh, J A K E P I L E W S K I dot com uh that has my schedule on it for my solo gigs it also has links to my band's nine lives and the new fashioned it also has music videos on there um you can find jake and the venom uh which is my solo project moniker uh you can find that at itunes um would love for you to come out to a gig and buy the physical copy but (laughs) by all means uh if you can't go on itunes and get it uh spotify if you um want to just check it out uh, without paying me anything, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how I checked it out. <laughs> you know, but you know, it's, it's Spotify's good because it can you can check stuff out because you know it, before you invest in something, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a taste test. Yeah, and um, yeah, and like I said, photography, web design, graphic design, uh, music in general. I mean, I can do all those things for you one way or another. Yeah. So hit them up, <laughs> hit them up. Thanks Jake. for having me. Yeah, thank you, man. And that was Jake Paluski. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I did. We did that at the Oregon Branch Library 
at like nine in the morning. So I appreciate Jake coming out all early as shit, sitting there talking to me, um, you know, in one of the conference rooms. Uh, go to jakepaluski.com. That's Jake, P-I-L-E-W-S-K-I.com. And you can find his uh, tour dates. You can find his podcast, The Snake Pit, and um, his new album, Jake and the Venom, Between Then and When. And, of course, you can go to any of his shows and pick up a copy of that and uh, just support. Support local music. We're, I'm, I'm here in Toledo, and I'm here to... Um, I don't know. I I just want to help. I'm new here, kind of, so it's nice to be um, meeting the people that sort of facilitate this scene. Uh -uh. Oh, my God. That's all he wanted to do. He's just hanging on me. He just farted on me, too. It's not funny. It's not funny. You got man farts. You got full-grown man farts. Yeah. I'm a man. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, go to the website, wespeakenglishgood.net, and you can also write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com, and you can also leave a review on iTunes. And that's it. Thank you, everyone, and we'll be back Sunday with a new mix of music, and hopefully it won't get taken down by Universal Music Group. So take care of your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. <laughs> and the sound of children's laughter. <laughs>